Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, good Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad. Got the whole crew back together again. Glad to be with you. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. You can find their website, again, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Boys, what's up? Good to be uh, have everybody back together. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Thanks. Um, great vacation. We, uh, we spent last week, uh, in Colorado and normally from a vacation standpoint, after about, oh, three or four days, I'm ready to kind of get home. Not that I'm a homebody. I love to travel, but after some time away, I'm just ready to get back into a routine and get back to work and all that good stuff. So we flew to Colorado a week ago, Saturday and Friday morning when we were leaving to uh, to drive back to Denver and then fly home on Saturday, early Saturday morning, Jane and I just kind of stood out on the balcony overlooking the mountains off in the distance. I said, I don't really want to go home. <laughs> and she said, me either. So, Borky, I know you've always said you're kind of a mountain guy. Uh, I completely get that. Not, I, I still love the beach, but what an incredible trip. Just absolutely gorgeous and great weather, and that was really cool. Man, I'm jealous. I, I, I am glad you're back, but I'm jealous that, that you got to go do that. How was Coors Field, or, or did you check it out? We skipped out on that. Uh, and the reason was our flight on Saturday morning coming home left at 7.30, and I had heard nightmares about the Denver airport, particularly the airline that we were flying trying to get out. Uh, and so as it was, we had to leave our hotel that was like five miles from uh, the airport, at 5 a.m. with three little people, uh, and we just decided that being out until 10 or 10.30 or 11 o'clock the night before we had to get up at 4.30 was probably a bad idea with them. So we bailed on the baseball. Uh, I think the Rockies actually won that game, uh, but it was altogether a, uh, a good trip. So appreciate uh, you guys holding down the fort last week while I was away. Hey, Dad, what's up, man? What's up, man? Good to have you back. Glad to be Thank back you. with you. Yeah, good to be back. Mississippi State got camp off and rolling, uh, got started over the weekend. You guys uh, have had a chance to see a little bit, right? Yeah, got got our first look at Tommy Stevens on uh, Friday and got our first chance to talk to him uh, just a couple of hours ago, actually. And, and that, uh, we that, will talk about yeah, that. That's, that's coming up on SuperTalk.fm. Don't, don't miss it. Yeah. Um, just how, how confident is he? <laughs> 
it's borderline cocky. Okay. You've seen, you've seen Top Gun, right? Yeah. Many, many, many me, times. He reminds me of Iceman. Ooh. Even in the way he looks, he reminds me of Iceman. So a young Val Kilmer playing quarterback at Mississippi State, there you most go. likely. Yeah. There you, uh, there you go. Rippy, what's up, man? Let's see. Uh, we got to do this. You have to remember to turn your microphone on now that I'm back. What's up? Not much. Not much. Football practice for you? Was fantastic. Nice and warm. It was great. Chance yeah. to work on your tan a little bit. Yep. Did you see anything that was interesting? Yeah, they uh, gave me the full playbook. Did they? Cruised through that for a while. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, they were in full pads. <laughs> Give me a little bit more. They were in full pads. They got bigger, faster, and stronger. Offensive line looked great. All right, Borky, I'm glad I didn't miss anything while I was away. At least Rippy's the same. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, we were out there for an hour. Half of us stretching. Yeah. They did some stuff. I was out there for a little while. They did some stuff. Did some offensive stuff, but it was about the same. And well, the people listening you- were not there. So tell them what you saw. <laughs> I, I'll share this. Um the ball comes really, really quickly out of the hand of Matt Corral. Now, I'm not giving you some crazy insight or something, but he throws it harder, which doesn't always equate to more accurately than either of the last two quarterbacks that Ole Miss has had in Shea Patterson and, and Jordan Tamu. He has a stronger arm than either of those two, and I did have a conversation with somebody this morning. We were kind of just kind of talking about quarterbacks over the last few years. And the person I was talking to said velocity is probably not as good as what Chad Kelly had. And I would agree with that but because he could really throw it. But his release is quicker than Chad Kelly's. If you go back and you think about when Chad Kelly played quarterback at Ole Miss, there was just a little bit of a windup. It was almost like a little bit of a hitch in his throwing motion. You don't have that with Matt Krause. So it's a quicker release with more velocity than you had with Patterson or with Tamu. Uh, not the same velocity level that you had with Chad Kelly. Um, it's got to be encouraging, though, right? Because uh, twofold. One, that offense requires quickness, especially getting the ball in space. And uh, there's going to be a lot of short, intermediate-type passing in the way they do things. And also, if you have offensive line problems, you need a guy that can get the ball out of his hand quickly. And right now, that's the big question, is the offensive line. So, at least there's that. R- Rippy, I don't know if you've you've seen a couple of practices now, and obviously it's very limited, but one of the things that I noticed today, they're, they're moving the quarterbacks around a lot to throw, as opposed to taking the snap and standing in the pocket. I think you're going to see a lot of quarterback on the move, rolling out, trying to get outside into some different places to throw the ball. Yeah, and the... Yeah, they've moved the pocket a lot, and they've also there's been a decent amount of two tight end stuff, which I imagine they will do a decent bit of this year with Jason Pellerin and Octavius Cooley on the field. At the same time, I think that'll probably help them run the ball a little bit better, give some padding to the offensive line. But yeah, hey, Dad, you know we've made a lot of jokes about Ole Miss and its lack of using the tight end, uh, especially yeah. with a guy who's now in the NFL, in, uh, um, Knox uh, Dawson Knox a, a year ago. 
Uh, I was standing next to someone as I was watching. Yeah, I was only out, out there for half an hour, and they were running a drill drill where they were throwing the ball to the tight end on just like a little, just a little skinny go route with the tight end. I was like, "Hey, the tight end caught the ball. That's something new." You know, for all the uh, the rivalry between Mississippi State and Ole Miss, there's some common ground. Mississippi State and Ole Miss, the 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 misuse or the disappearance of tight ends from the offense over the past four or five years has been something to watch. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, in, in, in part, I get it with Ole Miss because you had such um, an incredible number and and kind of depth at the wide receiver position, but still felt like you were kind of penalizing yourself by not using uh, that part of the offense. We got a bunch to get away, uh, get around to this afternoon. The uh, annual Athlon Sports Anonymous Coaches Talk story is out. Do you guys put any stock? Into that story that comes out every year, or do you just Very. have to kind of, kind of pick and choose what you believe out of it? Very little stock. I mean, if if it's it's tough, to, and that's not just true of these guys. I I have trouble believing anything where people don't want to put their name to it, especially when they're going to criticize and things like that. You know, if you if you're going to have criticism, come on and say what it is. Uh, coaches poll came out last week. Uh, ESPN has released their power rankings. Uh, those came out earlier today. There are a lot of similarities between the power rankings and the coaches poll and some differences that are there as well. Uh, Ole Miss practiced this morning. So Mississippi State practiced this morning, or was it just media availability this morning and then they practiced tonight? That's correct. Media availability. That's going to be the new setup, evidently. Uh, media availability okay. in the afternoons and then practice in the evening. The uh, the setup for most of August, probably until school starts, what the next to last week of August for Ole Miss is going to be 10.45 a.m. practices on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then we'll have some media availability afterward. And if I was looking at Mississippi State's schedule correctly, that's kind of going to be the, the plan, at least for the most part, hey, Dad, where they do some media stuff early in the day and then they come back and have practice and yeah. then some of the time you'll get to talk to Joe Moorhead after practice? It looks like it's about once a week with Moorhead. It'll be twice this week because we have him uh, during the week, and then, of course, MSU's media day is Saturday. But for the most part, Joe Moorhead will just be a once-a-week kind of thing. That is uh, coming up on Saturday. We'll have lots of content online at supertalk.fm. And uh, we'll do one of two things. Uh, if we're not able to bring you interviews from that, uh, then I guess what we did last year, hey Dad, was uh, you and I did a show from Starkville, and uh, we're able to kind of visit with some people. So we need to try and get that set up as well, yeah. uh, where we can have some of those one-on-one camp interviews as well. Winners and losers this afternoon. We go to the Big Twelve for uh, 100 teams in 100 days. We are inside 30 days to kick off. In fact, four weeks from this past Saturday, everybody is playing football. Some NFL storylines, training camp storylines. Baker Mayfield back in the news. Cleveland loves him. Does everybody else love him? I don't know. We'll get to that. Got a bunch to get to this afternoon. Glad to be back with you getting started on this Monday in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. So we've got football games for the Magnolia State teams on August 31st. Today is the 5th. If my math is correct, that means we are 26 days away from the start of the college football season. And how about this? If you rewind to this past Saturday, the 3rd, you are just three weeks away from that Week 0 game between Florida and Miami. 
that's a pretty attractive game right out of the gate. You get an SEC team, an ACC team, in-state rivals. They're going to play it at a neutral site. They'll have a big crowd for it, and that will be a fun way to start off the uh, the college football season. But camp is underway for everybody. Hey, Dad has had a, a little bit of chance to uh, be around Mississippi State. Chance to talk to some players today. So, hey, Dad, let's uh, let's start there. Who who did you talk to, and what did you learn? We got both quarterbacks and Kylan Hill today. Um, okay, with Kylan Hill um, down a little bit of weight, says he feels quick. He said he, he feels really good. Said he feels good about both quarterbacks. I think that's going to be a running theme, Richard, as we do this. Is everybody so? But the quarters, oh, they're both good. They're both good. You you, you get that impression uh, that that they've there's been some coaching. Uh, behind the scenes with some of these guys, um, but but Kylan Hill said you know he's ready to he's ready to take on a bigger role this year. You know and he, I think that's a huge key for Mississippi State. Uh, and then with the two quarterbacks, obviously again they're sort of saying the right things. You know that it's it's going to be a battle and they, that they've gotten along well. That that's that's something that you know when we've had a chance to talk to players and the guys I work with, the other players they've talked to, they all say the same thing that. Tommy Stevens came in and, and I, you know, said the right things, had the right mindset and attitude, and, and he's, he, I think he really has been embraced by the team. The competition is obviously going to be very, very fierce, but there, I think there's a definitely a, uh, a vibe of positivity around that as, as much as there can be. And like I said with Stevens, you know, I talk, you know, I got to talk to Dak, so I know what it's, it's like to talk to a guy who's going to end up in the NFL. And Dak was always very cliched, very, uh, very, he was like another coach, basically. You didn't get a lot out of him. Uh, Stevens carries himself a little differently. Very confident, like I said, you know, on the on the on the borderline of cocky a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I felt like he was. I didn't feel like we were interviewing him for the first time, if that makes sense. If I felt like I, you know, somebody I had been talking to before. You used the word competition a second ago. Mm-hmm. Do you believe it's a legitimate competition for the starting legi- quarterback spot? I believe there's a legitimate competition in that if uh, if Stevens comes in and does poorly, he won't he won't get the job. But right now he's he's the odds-on favorite to get this job. There, there, there's not any question about that in my mind. All right, you, you said confidence borderlining on cockiness for mm-hmm. Tommy Stevens, and there are a lot of people that that don't mind that at all in, right, in the quarterback, quarterback position. Yeah. Um, what's the demeanor for Keaton Thompson? It's more of a quiet confidence. I think you know he talked about how much easier this this offseason has been for him in terms of you know last year learning the offense, this year knowing the offense, um, and, and you get the impression that you know he he's going to go out there and, and give it his his best shot. I, I don't think I got the impression too much that he thinks that it's not going to happen for him, um, but at the same time, you know I think he he's smart enough to know that he has he has to have some, some idea that. Tommy Stevens didn't come all the way down here and, and you know give up his last year of eligibility to, to, to stay a backup. He could have done that. At, he, from what it sounds like, he might have had a chance to do that at Penn State, or he, I don't know. So I think Keaton's confidence was just a little bit more you know, self-confidence. He, he, he didn't come off – I don't like the word arrogant. That's not the right word, but he didn't come off the same way that Stevens did. Hmm. Um, wide receivers – I mean, such a big part of the conversation around Mississippi State over the last eh, couple of years, really since Dak Prescott, has been the passing game. And it's been a combination of things. It's been uh, the the struggles that Nick Fitzgerald had completing a high percentage of passes, 
but also wide receivers that dropped balls and couldn't get open or didn't get open and weren't consistent in that part of the game. How is this year potentially going to be different? Well, we've got a couple of, you know, we got one new face in Isaiah Zuber, who we were supposed to talk to today, but something, they didn't tell us what came up, but long story short, we'll talk to him tomorrow. Um, and then you, I think you, if you're expecting to be different, you're going to have to expect big jumps from Stephen Gidry and Devontae Jason. Those were your two highly recruited guys who came in a season ago, and you were you were hopeful that from day one they could be contributors. Gidry ended up being a contributor, but not to the level I think MSU fans were expecting. And then Jason didn't really contribute at all. Uh, those two guys need to take a big step forward this year if MSU is going to be successful in the passing game. Even with a improved quarterback play, it can only go as far as your receivers. Uh, so those two guys in particular have to step up. Who's the guy after Kylan Hill that will get the carries in the backfield? Uh, probably Nick Gibson, if I had to guess. I mean, you know, they brought in the true freshman Lee Witherspoon and the, the JUCO transfer Kareem Walker, who still hasn't made it to campus yet. He, he's having he, going through the NCAA clearinghouse. But Nick Gibson's been really solid in, in backup relief. Uh, so he, I don't I don't know how big of a role he's going to play. You know, I don't think it'll be like last season where you, you had some games where Kylan and Aris sort of split carries the limited number of carries they were getting. Uh, I think Kylan Hill's the definite lead dog in this in this instance, but Nick Gibson is is definitely a very capable backup running back. And Rippy, running back is a uh, a position where, for the first time seemingly in a while, Ole Miss has got some depth. Obviously, Scotty Phillips returning this year. You've got the freshman and Jerrion Ely, who is expected to play a pretty significant role. Uh, Tylen Knight's going to be kind of used, I, I think, in a bunch of different ways. Maybe some out of the backfield. Rich Rodriguez, I know when you and Borky visited with him last week, talked about the possibility of some two-back sets mixed in. What does this running back position feel like kind of going into the year early in camp? Uh, I mean, it's a room with a lot of depth. And, you know, I don't. they probably don't really know what they have in Devon Penniman. They're now, I guess, kind of seeing slowly, but surely what they have in both him and – um, Jaron Ely, but yeah, I mean, it's a position where they have a lot of depth and a lot of guys, and you know, kind of headed up by a guy that would have been a thousand rod rusher last year in Scotty Phillips. So it's probably their deepest position on either side of the ball. And and Isaiah Woolard ended up getting a pretty significant number of carries at the end of the year a season ago. He did. So that's another guy that kind of underscores the point. So he it's a pretty deep position. What about uh, is it Snoop Connor that that has come in and has kind of turned some heads yeah i mean he's been in the mix as well obviously we're, we're three practices in so it's hard to really tell anything yeah. but yeah i mean it's just another guy and it's 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 a deep position they got a lot of guys yeah so potentially what's that four or five potential guys that could see carries in the backfield and you don't know how injuries affect that position group the 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 biggest concern for Ole Miss has to be on the offensive line, though, right? And and it almost feels like that's a pretty big statement considering where they were defensively a year ago. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, but or, or do you disagree with that? No, it's I mean it's definitely the biggest concern because just after the first five, as we talked about a bunch, um, there's not a whole lot of experience, really none none hardly at all on the second team. So they're going to have to have some get some freshmen ready to play, and you're seeing Nick Broker and. Um, James at both tackle spots is, is is they're going to have to get ready to play and they're running with the second team 
on either side at the two tackle spots. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the biggest concern. Is there optimism or concern? What's the right word with regard to Alex Gibbons? I think it just is what it is at this point. I mean, he, they had the, they did the surgery thinking it was the quickest way to get him back on the field. They hope he will be back for the first game. They don't really know. He's going to Jackson um, sometime this week. I think Matt Luke has said tomorrow to get reevaluated. And so, um, I mean, the hope is he'll be out there in the opener. Um, we were talking about offensive line, hey, Dad, for, for Ole Miss. What about this offensive line group for Mississippi State? There's some experience there. It's a group that, when it was all said and done, played pretty well last year. I mean, Daryl Williams, kind of the anchor of that group. Yeah, and it's an interesting group in that you've got you know two new starters on the left side, and Tyree Phillips and Darian Parker, and then on the right side, everybody's in a different position. Williams is at center. Uh, Stuart Reese moves from right tackle to right guard. Greg Island moves from left tackle to right tackle. So a lot of transition there, but I think they feel good about the group. Williams is obviously very solid in the middle. Uh, Reese has been good. He's a three-year starter now. And Island, you know, he, he had some struggles last year, especially everybody wants to point to that game against Kentucky. But, I mean, Josh Allen gave everybody in the SEC trouble last year. Uh, the, the left side the left side is going to be the question mark, you know, until you see him play. Phillips was good as a reserve last year. Parker's a guy we haven't seen a whole lot of. I think Tommy Champion is probably the first guy off the bench. It's interesting to me that you would take a left tackle who was your starter for the season in that blindside position that, you know, whatever. You've read the book and seen the movie, I guess. But it's nope. generally considered to be the most important position on the offensive line. You would take the guy that started at that spot for the entire year, move him to the opposite side, and then take a guy who was a backup and plug him into the left tackle position. That says to me that there was concern about leaving Island out on the left side. Am I reading too much into that? I don't think you're reading too much into that at all. I think they okay. feel better about Tyree Phillips there. Fair enough. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. I don't know if there's anything else we can give you as far as a camp report. We'll continue to talk football when we continue in the Renaissance Bank Studio. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can do so on the Ceasefire text line. At Ceasefire Repair Centers, they love making happier experiences for you. That's why they've got one-hour phone repair. Fixing any phone from any carrier with certified parts and technicians, visit cspire.com slash repair to find a repair center near you. Cspire customer inspired and of perhaps particular importance right now, as you get ready to go back to school, for a lot of people, that's this week. If you realize you got a problem with your Mac, some of those Cspire repair centers can fix a Mac for you. Eight locations across the state. Visit uh, cspire.com slash repair to find a repair center near you. Mac Repair Centers include stores in Oxford, Starkville, Hattiesburg, Gulfport, Clinton, Madison, Iberville, and Laurel. The Cspire text line is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Mike in Ridgeland, who's the new guy? <laughs> Funny guy, Mike. It's all right. It's good to be back. Uh, Darren and Jackson, how were the edibles, Richard? I did not try them, but I will tell you this. On, you know, it would be cliche to say like on every street corner, corner, but literally about every two miles, there's another weed store in, in Colorado. They're everywhere. 
Gotta love capitalism. Absolutely everywhere. I don't know if it's one of those deals where you just start out with a whole bunch of them or if they're all profitable, but uh, there certainly are, are plenty. Uh, Louie. On the C Spire text line, considering the red zone woes that Ole Miss had a year ago, they had no excuse not to throw it to the tight end. Talking about perhaps tight ends being more involved in the conversation. How about this from Tim? Guys, who would your prediction as of today be to win the national championship? I'd like to ask the same question about midway through the season. What do you see what you think then? I mean, Clemson and Clemson. August 5th, national championship prediction? Borky's on Team Clemson. Such a homer pick from the South Carolina guy. <laughs> yeah, I grew up hating him, though. Hey, Dad. Alabama. Okay. Rippy? Ah, uh, Clemson. Playing Alabama. Yeah. Just kind of feels like that's the direction it's headed. Should be a wacky year, though. Hopefully it will uh, surprise us. Hopefully it will surprise us. Preston and Fulton says, My son was supposed to be born on August 31st, but we got it moved to the 12th. <laughs> he will be ready for the opening weekend. Uh, way to get your priorities in order there, uh, Preston. I mean, it's just the birth of your son. Proud of you. My assumption is you have a doctor who decided that it was in uh, the best interest of your wife and your unborn child's health to move it up, and he didn't actually move it up because, oh, that's the opening weekend of football season. Just thinking out loud. There. Maybe Doc's a fan too, though. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Barry and Laurel. Richard, you must not have been listening last week while you were on vacation because a certain couple of people ran down that week zero game a lot. We didn't. Well, first of all, Barry. No, I didn't listen last week. Now, I did go back and listen to some of the interviews. Um,. Late Saturday night and late last night as well. So, you know, try to play kind of catch up on some of what you guys did last week. But no, I, in fact, Borky, I don't know if you're proud of me or surprised by this or, all, you know, whatever. I did a far better job unplugging this week than I've ever done before. Hey, Dad, I couldn't, I, I felt like when you were on vacation a couple of weeks ago, you did not entirely unplug. Or maybe you did during the day. But I felt like there was a barrage of tweets from you, like each morning. Yeah, when I would wake up in the morning, I did. I did would just check Twitter, and if anything MSU related was on there, I would just I would put it out there. But I promise, I was just sitting in bed, you know, waiting for my kids to get ready while I was doing it. How was New Orleans? Fantastic. I enjoyed very much. Had a good trip. Had a great trip. Stress free. What was the, the What was the best part of the trip for your kids? What What did they enjoy the most? I mean, we we split up one day, and that was probably the day they enjoyed the most. Maybe because they were getting oh the, the part where they got away from you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was with one kid, and my wife was with the other one. And uh, okay. we went to the we went to the insectarium, and my daughter loved my oldest daughter. She loved it, loved it. Ate a bug. Did she know? Like yeah. chocolate covered grasshopper type deal? I, it was a chocolate covered cricket cookie. Would that be considered an edible? <laughs> I don't. I didn't see her uh, get a high off of it, but you know, it was the best meal you ate while you were in New Orleans. What's well, the toughest question, isn't it? Um, it might have been the last one, and it was at a restaurant. We we got our our, our restaurant thing sort of mi mixed up a little bit, so we just picked a place that was close by. It's called Galliano's. I had never heard yeah. of it, but I had a 
tremendous seafood platter there. Fantastic. There you go. Rippy, your Los Angeles trip? I mean, we talked to you on the very last day you were there. It's a good trip. I had fun. Tell me more about it, Gilligan. Sat on the beach. Sat at the pool. Went to two baseball games. Came home. Did you eat well? Yeah. We didn't really go anywhere, like, two out. I mean, we went out to eat three or four times out there, but it wasn't anything, like, special. You didn't pick up, like, a new girlfriend while you were out there or anything? No, and I'm not a vegan, so... What does that have to do with a lot girlfriend? of vegan places out there? Oh, dueling. You're asking about eating. You really threw a curveball at me. No, I did not pick up. Did you go on a date while you were there? Did I go on a date? No. Did you meet anybody interesting? I met a man named Lee Steinberg. I think I've heard of him. Yeah. That's cool. I'm interviewing him tomorrow for Wednesday's podcast, so be sure to tune in. Are you really? Yeah. So did you. You may, you may um, have just gotten me to tune in. Did, did you uh, consummate that relationship while in California, or did you circle back after getting back? No, the last day, he's a cool dude. Last day, just like the last day I was there was my friend's last day working for him. So, like, when they were done, they were all going to wherever next door to like get drinks or whatever. So, I went into the office, talked to the guy for, I don't know, half an hour, and was like, You want to come on the podcast? He said, Yeah, I love podcasts. So, oh, really? Set up a time. Yeah. What are you guys going to talk about? I imagine he has quite a few stories. Uh, he was kind of a super agent titan like figure for a long time. Still is very prominent in the industry. So I imagine through forty years of that, he's got some decent stories. So I'm just gonna see where it takes us. I mean, Lee Steinberg's Jerry Maguire, right? He is. Movies made loosely based off his life. Walked into his office. First couple photos, like personal mementos. It's him, Kevin Costner, and Obama. Okay. So, dude knows some folks. You didn't ask him to show you the money when you walked in, did you? I did not. Um, Are you going to ask him in the podcast if the show me the money thing was real? I can. How well do you think that would be received? I mean, I think it's a fair question. It's, I mean, I probably would just couch it as my guess is I'm not the first person to ever ask you about this. Let's talk a little bit about the Jerry Maguire movie. How much of it was real? See what he talks about, and then goes, okay. It was my understanding that that movie was very, very, very loosely based off his life. Well, fair enough. Uh, and then say, you know, forgive the uh, pun, but the money quote from the movie is, show me the money. Did you ever find yourself on a phone yelling with the rest of the office looking at you, show me the money? I'm going to bet no, but I'll ask. Hey, I mean, he, that might spawn like a, a whole line of stories that you didn't think you'd get to. It doesn't take much to get the guy going, like as far as like telling stories and different things. He's an interesting fellow. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. Ashley and Amory ask where in Colorado I went. Beaver Creek. Spent a little bit of time in Vail. Uh, that was uh, that was it. And it was. Uh, hey, I, I will tell you guys this. So we went to a place called Piney Lake, which so so if you're going if you if you fly into Denver. Vail is about a hundred miles west of Denver, and then Beaver Creek's like eight or ten miles west of Vail. So you're just kind of working your way west on Interstate 70. So in Vail, Borky, you get on this little road that takes you to Piney Lake. There is not a road in the state of Mississippi. I feel confident in saying that is bumpier or rockier than that road is. It's about nine miles, and it took us an hour and five minutes to go nine miles. 
and the entire road was like switchbacks. Like you'd go a couple of hundred yards and then switch back and come back down. And basically you were weaving your way up the mountain and then back down the mountain and then kind of around the mountain. But when you get to the pl- this place that you're going, it's probably a, now I'm guessing here, a 20 or 25-acre mountain lake that is crystal clear. 80 feet deep in the middle, and they say on a day where there are like no ripples at all, you can see all the way to the bottom of the lake. You can canoe and trout fish and whatever else. The kids had a blast doing that, and then they came back in, and Jane and I went on a hike. Three miles in, three miles out, at 10,000 feet altitude. And I crushed it. Mr. I'm not in shape, don't go to the gym. Um, so anyway. If you, uh, if you ever find yourself uh, in the summertime in Colorado, I highly recommend Piney Lake. Uh, Tim in Corinth, by the way, hey, Dad, wants to know if uh, you stopped at Mama Rose's on the French Quarter while you were in New Orleans. I did not. I'm not familiar with Mama Rose's. I have to check that out. That's uh, Kelso in Ocean Springs. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. In the Renaissance Bank studio on this Monday afternoon, Mike Leach has spoken. We will listen when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Form or function? Yeah, really, it's a question that can be asked in a lot of different areas of your life. So as a general rule, Borky, form or function? Is that the question? That is the question. Form or function, question mark. I I don't know how to answer that. I have no idea what you're trying to ask me. I feel like an idiot. Hey, Dad. As a general rule, in life, form or function? Function. Rippy? Function. Really? What does form matter if it's not functional? Fair enough. Um... If I was answering for my wife, I might say form. And so, a lot of women would go with high heels versus comfortable shoes. Because of how they look. Form versus function. Mike Leach, does he strike you as a form guy or a function guy? Hey, Coach Leach, how do you feel about cargo shorts? Yeah, so for the pockets. Yeah, yeah. You always have pockets. You, I, I don't understand those nylon shorts. You know, you jog around and your stuff flaps all over the place. I, uh, you know, I've never liked those. How many pairs of cargo shorts do you have? Uh, difficult to say because now it's gotten to where they, you know, they'll give them to me, or Nike will say, "Here, check these ones out," type of thing. Yeah, so for the. You wear those nylon shorts. I don't understand them. Your stuff flops all over the place. He's talking about like keys and wallet and whatnot, I'm sure. Is he? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just choosing to go with that. Yes, is what he's talking about. Does my question make more sense now, Borky? Form or function? Yeah, it does. And the funniest part about that video is I guess those people are so used to covering him. I mean, there's like one little smile, but that's it. Like, you don't even hear anybody laugh. That was with a pool of reporters, not just one guy. 
they're so used to covering him that him saying something like that is just another day at the office. And a legitimate follow-up question. How many uh, pairs of cargo shorts would you say that you own? I mean, oh, seamless. It's hard, hard to tell. Hard to tell. I mean, Nike just gives them to me. I like try try these out, too. Yeah, a little plug there for the sponsor. That is round one of 2019 Mike Leach. Cargo <laughs> shorts. It can only get better from here, though. What a great start. Yeah, not a, uh, not a bad way to begin. Um... Cleveland, Ohio, has fully embraced Baker Mayfield. And by all accounts, Baker Mayfield gets Cleveland, Ohio. You've probably seen the video floating around. So he's at an Indians game. Indians are playing good baseball. He's sitting in a suite. He is sipping on a Miller Lite, finishes it up on the video board. Like, camera comes on him... He's uh, taking a swig, downs it, and then for some reason, the, the, the one thing that immediately comes to mind for Baker Mayfield, which I would think a lot of Clevelanders might identify with, was, hey, throw me another one so I can shotgun it. Not waves, gives him a thumbs up. Pops his Cleveland Indians jersey. No, no, it's, oh, let me chug this one, and now throw me another and then, uh, okay, so what, the mechanics of shotgunning a beer, if you go back to when you saw people do that, a lot of times you'd see somebody grab a key and, like, poke a hole in the bottom or the side of a can, and then they would kind of turn their head up and would begin to drink the beer out of the bottom of it and then would open the pop top to increase the flow. Baker Mayfield bit into the side of the can. He, like, punctured it with his teeth and hammers it and spikes it and then, like, turns around and pops the Lindor jersey. Is this peak Baker Mayfield? Is it peak Cleveland? I, I see why they love it. And it was pretty – I mean, it's pretty impressive, right? And as a non-Browns fan, I, I love that kind of stuff. I don't know if it's impressive. It's, it's kind of okay. impressive. Uh, I mean, you know, you can cut your lip. It's impressive, I guess. Fair uh, enough. But Cleveland loves it, and they embrace that stuff. And the Indians even took a shot at Colin Cowherd on Twitter because he was going to have a that take. That was beautiful. To it, that was beautiful, but at the same time, I, I'm going to be old man here. I love it as a non-Browns fan. That's great. Baker Mayfield's awesome. He's a cool story. He's entertaining. He's got swagger. Probably going to get in trouble at some point. I love that kind of stuff. But if I was a Browns fan or I worked in the front office, I would hate this. Because if you look at the most successful modern quarterbacks right now, what have they all done? Not that. Spoken in sound bites. Spoken in sound bites, stayed out of the limelight, protected themselves. You're in the middle of training camp doing that, which is fine. You're free to do it. It was an off day, whatever. It's not what Tom Brady did on his off day during training camp. That's not what Drew Brees is doing during his off day. It's not what Phillip Rivers is doing. You want to stay in the league forever, you got to protect yourself and stop being a, a frat boy and start being a franchise quarterback. That's just me. C Spire text line, oh, Borky, lighten up. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. 
Friday afternoon, 26 days until kickoff. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott. Rippy shows brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. If you're a farmer and you're in North Mississippi and you've got equipment needs, you need to buy a new tractor, combine, cotton picker, sprayer, spreader, uh, whatever it is that you need to help maintain the land, Mississippi Land Bank can help with those equipment loans. They can also help with production loans, give you a loan to buy a new piece of property, or um, maybe refinance an existing one. They've been financing and refinancing land at Mississippi Land Bank for over 100 years. Spectacular people that you are dealing with at Mississippi Land Bank. Branch locations all across North Mississippi. You can check them out at the website, mslandbank.com. We are glad to be with you. The C Spire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. I, I will say this, Borky, the last thing you said, you were kind of, I think you said Baker Mayfield different than guys like Brady and Breeze and Luck and Manning when he was playing and Manning that's still playing and Rivers in that he kind of still looks and sounds like a frat boy. Wouldn't the counter argument to be to, to him growing up that that kind of on the edge, hair on fire, a little bit wild, a little bit brash is kind of what makes him the player that he is? He does play that way, uh, absolutely. I just, I wonder, and it's just a question. I certainly don't care one way or the other. The Browns, you know, if they're good, great. If they're bad, well, uh, they've been bad for decades, so it won't change the NFL or anything. Uh, but if I was in that front office, if I was a fan of the Browns, I still would like him to continue playing that way, but maybe, you know, calm it down off the field, tame yourself a little bit. And there was, and this is a very small thing, but uh, one of his, I guess it was a running back that was holding out, ended up getting traded, going somewhere else. I was talking about playing time. He wasn't getting any. He wanted to get traded. And uh, his first press opportunity, he says, oh, well, good. He's gone. We don't need him anyway. Get him out of here. And it's like, that guy's still your teammate, at least for right now. If he's disgruntled, you don't just go to the media and, oh, we don't need him. If he's looking for a new contract, you don't say that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what is what did Drew Brees say about Mike Thomas? What did Dak Prescott say about Ezekiel Elliott? What does Philip Rivers, who kind of got himself into a little bit of trouble, but he was taken out of context, say about his running back that's holding out? Yeah, we'd love to have him, but if he's not here, we'll you know we'll move on. That kind uh, of stuff. At some point, you, you want him to grow out of that and just be a little bit more buttoned up. Yeah, because that's what most franchise quarterbacks look like. But again, maybe. That's what makes him a little bit different. I'm just saying. So you got hey, he won a bunch of games up. last year. Julian Tupelo says that uh, she bets he received a call from his dental hygienist after punching a hole in an aluminum can with his teeth. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers chugged a beer at a Bucks game. Uh, that's what Jeff says. I thought Aaron Rodgers attempted to shotgun a beer one time. It was the biggest fail you've ever seen in your life. Well, I just chug. I chug it. It's a little different. It's like, can't shotgun out of a cup. There was a video of Tom Terrific chugging a beer going around yesterday. I don't know when it was recorded, and Aaron Rodgers failed on his chug. So a lot of people uh, there as well. Hey, quickly, a question, hey, Dad, for you. This is from Chris in Holly Springs. 
Uh, your thoughts on Javante Payton? Do you expect him to get much playing time this season? He'll definitely play. I got a quick look at him, obviously, on Friday. Um, you know, he's in the rotation there. Um, a guy at MSU would definitely like to step up and, and t- play a big role this year. Just haven't seen enough of him to have a, a real opinion on him. Fair enough. Fair enough. It is Monday. It is just after 4 o'clock. That means it is time for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. We have modified winners and losers a little bit for the last month or so, and that is to include you. We want your winners and losers from the weekend. What did you see that you liked? What did you see that you didn't like? You can send that to us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395 or on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Um, who you got, guys? Borky, give me a winner to start things off. Georgia Southern quarterback Shy Wirtz, because if you're going to be a college quarterback, this is the kind of quick thinking that you need to have. So he's been suspended from his team, but here's why. He was driving, and a police officer came behind him and wanted to pull him over for speeding. He called the police department and said, I'm not comfortable pulling over right here. Let me get to a more well-lit area. So they comply, and then he drives a little bit. Uh, as we find out, it was to kill time, and pulls over eventually for the police officer. Officer spots a white substance on the hood of his car, and Mr. Wirtz immediately says, oh, that's bird poop. Quick thinking. And it ended up being a, a substance that you cannot legally have, and he got arrested. But talk about quick thinking. Gave himself time to try to get rid of it, and then immediately blamed it on something plausible. He still got arrested, but... If you're going to be a college quarterback, that's that's quick thinking right there. It's a guy I want on my team. If indeed it was bird poop, it was bird poop laced with cocaine, right? Apparently so. Are you sure that's quick thinking? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, not that's great. Something not great. Hey, Dad, you got a winner? I'm gonna save you some trouble here, Richard, and say the New York Yankees. Uh, four game sweep. Oh, no, it would have been no trouble whatsoever for me to talk about this. <laughs> Four-game sweep of the uh, the Boston Red Sox. They're out to an eight-game lead uh, in the AL. And this is a team, you know, from I don't keep up with them, obviously, like you do, but they've had some injuries this year. They've 25, 25 yeah. players on the injured list. And, and yet they are dominating the AL uh, East in a division that most everybody thought that the Red Sox were just going to come back and, you know, be the champs again, so... Congrats to the Yankees. I'll, I'll make them the winner this week. Plucky hey, Dad, the Yankees franchise. Last weekend, not this past, but the weekend before, played in Boston. They got yeah, beat nineteen to three, ten to five, yeah. nine to five, and then eked one out nine to six in the Sunday game. Yeah. Lost their next game to the Diamondbacks, and then have ripped off five in a row, including the four-game sweep of the uh, doubleheader. Back at it tonight uh, against the Orioles. Just if you wanted a little more uh, meat on the bone, there. Appreciate that. Uh, Rippy, do you have a winner? Well, mine was going to be the Indians because they clowned Colin Cowherd. Almost too predictable. God drinks a beer at a baseball game, and then they said something like as if he would have said it. And then what do you know? I was turning on his show during lunch day before those interviews, and 
said not his favorite thing that his quarterback's out drinking beer at a baseball game, you know, being a human. <laughs> so so Cowherd took the bait. Yeah, Cleveland Indians winner. Did did Cowherd acknowledge that he was trolled by the Cleveland Indians? He did. But still not his favorite thing. Yeah. Can't have that. <laughs> Malicious behavior. Uh, there you go. It's, uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. You can send us your winners and losers from the weekend. Uh, what did you like? What did you not like? Text them to the C Spire text line or send them, uh, send them to us on Twitter at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Hey, Dad, I don't know how it's going to turn out. But considering where they I'll, I'll return the favor here. Considering where they were early in the year, mm-hmm. your San Francisco Giants have kind of got to be in the winner's category. They've gotten it to 56 and 56 currently. Yeah. Uh, they, they have gotten as much as, what, three games over 500? Yeah. And are flirting with a wild card spot in the National League. they got some work to do, but they're only two and a half games out of the second wild card spot in the National League, they are chasing the Diamondbacks, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Nats, and the Cardinals for one of those two wild card spots. Basically, everybody except the division leaders and the Marlins are. are, are you're not looking at the wild card right now. Yeah, that's um. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're five and a half out of one of the two wild card spots, you got a lot of ground to make up. You do. You do. And it's getting later. Yeah. Later in the year, about 40-ish games, 40 to 45 games remaining in the regular season for uh, everybody, which is still a lot as well. Um, what about losers? You want to go reverse order? Rippy, uh, you got a loser? You want to hold on and think about it? Yeah, come back to me. Anybody want to jump to the front of the line with a loser? Michigan State, they released these alternate uniforms that they're wearing <laughs> this year. Across. It's like a soft lime green pant. With a green top, big numbers, big white numbers, and the word state written across their chest in impossibly large lime green letters. It's like they were trying to be Oregon, but they had the budget of like Eastern Oregon University for the liberal <laughs> arts. I, the most embarrassing uniforms I've ever seen. I can't believe a D1 school is actually going to put those on. You forget about some of the ugly Notre Dame and Michigan uniforms from a few years ago when they did throwbacks. Yeah, Michigan State seems to really struggle with the uniform thing. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's the color palette. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, continuing winners and losers from the weekend. You can uh, text us your winners at 601-879-4395 you can uh, your winners or your losers you can also hit us up on the um uh the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M I S S Lucas has sent us one and this is really good I think I'm going to read all of it he gave us three winners and two losers and I think all of them deserve to be here his winners JT Poston professional golfer Bogey-free over four rounds, shooting 62 in the fourth and final round of the Wyndham Championship. First player to go bogey-free over 72 holes since 1974. When you're talking about a 40-plus year run of not accomplishing something in golf, that's pretty impressive. 
Lucas says Mississippi because public high school football started practice for the first time this year, and America because every NFL team has a game this week. Woo! You like that? Yeah, it... I tried to watch a Hall of Fame game. I know you were off, so I doubt you really got into it, even though Denver was in it, ironically. Um, it's halfway football. And there were people that said that what the Hall of Fame game was was a better product than the AAF. I don't entirely buy that. That was that was rough. Here's a question. I heard this on the Dan Patrick Show. Would you rather not be able or allowed to watch a second of preseason football? The first real football game is the first one you can watch in a season or have to watch every single preseason game. Would, would you rather one or the other? Yeah, which one? If you had to pick one, which one? Every single preseason game or not one bit of football until the opening Thursday night? I think I'd take none. Strong agree. It's not a good enough product for me to miss it. Real quick, are you a Broncos yeah. fan, Richard? No. I just no, was in Colorado. Oh, okay, okay. I was like I was trying to figure out why that was interesting to you. Okay. No. No, but I do have a buddy, uh, one of my best friends is as big a Broncos fan as you'll find. He okay. um he would he would have Tom uh John Elway's child. <laughs> Fair enough. He uh, he absolutely would. Um, I got a loser for you, Borky. You know you know why I didn't watch the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night? Probably had something way better to do than that. I was at the rodeo. <laughs> exactly. I was at the uh, the Beaver Creek Rodeo. They do it on Thursday nights in the summer, and I got a loser for you. So they have. Are, are you familiar with the team roping competition? It's where you got two dudes or a dude and a gal or two gals on horseback, both with ropes, and they are trying to rope a calf around the head and then the rear legs. And basically, you immobilize it. And the team ropers went 0 for 9 <laughs> with the steer. There were a couple of them that got the, the head rope on but then couldn't finish the back end. There are a couple of them that ran out of space, but the majority of them just whiffed. And maybe this was, you know, this was not National Finals Rodeo at the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, but it was a pretty good rodeo. That's, um, so yeah, they were, they were losers, but a winner. The, the little kid. So, so Obi's the only one of my three kids that was close to qualifying. They have what's called mutton busting, or mutton busting. You ever heard of that? Not at all. No. I've heard of mutton. It's where they put young children on the back of a sheep, a la bull riders, but on a on a small sheep. They put a helmet on the kids, <laughs> and then they open the gate, and they're trying to see how long the kids can stay on the back of the sheep. So... You have to be older than three years old, under 50 inches, so Obi qualified for both of those, and also under 50 pounds, but he was too heavy. He's like 54 pounds or something. 
Guys, there must have been 10 kids. And it was the, one of the... My wife said it was child abuse. These sheep, though, when they open the gate, I mean, they take off. They, they, they took one kid that, that hung on, and I think actually ended up being the winner of the competition, holding on for dear life. And that sheep ran this, I don't know, four or five-year-old into the fence. <laughs> it goes a silo. <laughs> Boom! There were several kids that, you know, they'd get bucked off and the sheep would stand on them. There was one kid out there, they said he was from Mexico, and was there for the entire summer and was coming every week. Had a little bit of, little bit of swagger to him, a little uh, Baker Mayfield in him, because he, he gave him a quote before he went. He said, I came here to win. Said he's coming to the rodeo every week, wanted to ride, and he wants to win. I think he finished third. He didn't win. So, you know, you got to be able to back up the talk. But I'm telling you, they put, they put a helmet on these kids, put them on the back of a sheep, and then open the gate, and it is hilarious. I didn't look at it as child abuse, and I asked Obi, I said, would you have liked to have done that? He said, yeah. So I was bummed out. We didn't get to uh, see Obi mutton busted. Um, Lucas's losers were pretty good. DJ Cooper gets suspended by FIBA for a failed drug test after he used a friend's urine for the drug test. Problem? Friend was a female. The result came back that said that he, DJ Cooper, was pregnant. <laughs> Loser. Oops. And the Florida Marlins for apologizing for a tweet that the team issued. It was a tweet that told the Tampa Bay Rays that they were the fish that killed Steve Irwin. <laughs> Lucas says, leave it be. That was an A-plus tweet. <laughs> ah, well, you offend one person, it's it's the end of fun on the internet. Yeah, fair uh, fair enough. Have you seen this um, viral video, speaking of loser, of this drug lord in Brazil? It's everywhere. You, you can't go online and not see it. So this guy, Brazilian drug lord in prison, gets his daughter to visit him. And I guess you can actually like go to these people's cells in Brazilian prison. His daughter stays behind in his oh, yeah. cell. He dresses like her. He's got, costume. he's got girl jeans on. He's got a, a shirt with, I think that's Minnie Mouse, like a, a pink shirt on and, and like a little, what is that, a cardigan or something? And a wig on and a full head mask. And it looks like something out of a horror film. Like the, the face is just emotionless and, and white, but he tried to sneak out of prison impersonating his daughter and they caught him. And there's a video online, just Google it. it, it it's everywhere. Of, of him them, having to take the costume off. Of him having to take the costume off. And when he takes the mask off, it's like what you've seen in a horror movie. Or Scooby-Doo, if you like cartoons. And he got caught trying to impersonate his daughter on the way out of prison. Had a brawl on under the t-shirt. Had a jacket on on top of the t-shirt. Had this full mask and wig on. The big loser part of this is the guy was going to leave his 19-year-old daughter in prison yeah. in his place. That's not exactly dad of the year stuff there. That's loyalty. I guess you would assume that once he got out and they realized it, they wouldn't keep her in there because she could just say that he forced me or something. I don't know. Yeah, but then wouldn't they like charge her as an accomplice to prison escape? I guess if you're a drug lord, you don't really have any feelings towards anyone ever. Maybe. Uh, C Spire text line, if you're going to go to the rodeo, you need to know the terminology. They're called headers and healers. Thanks, well, actually, guy. I feel like you could go to a rodeo and have a decent time without knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't tell the story correctly. Um, 
The rodeo would have been less expensive if we didn't have to buy three cowboy hats and Ava Montgomery a pair of cowboy boots once we got there. They had a big time. So, uh, did you get some of those far out gummy bears, Richard? No, I did not. Hall of Fame game felt like watching the Pee Wee game at halftime of the high school games. Winner. I assume this is from a mom. Stay at home moms with the kids going back to school. There you go. Thanks for uh, sending us some of your winners and losers from the uh, the weekend. One hey, more. Dad, Got Vince it. Carter it on... just signed to an extension with Atlanta. He's still going to play in the NBA. What is he, 42 now and he's got gray hair? I don't think he has any hair. I'm talking facial hair. If he grew hair. it, it would be gray. He's like Grandpapa now. Uh, I think the losers are the executives at the Mississippi Wildlife Extravaganza. Ooh. I think we'd be getting political if we went down the uh, that road. Loser, the guy that tried to correct you, Richard, but it, it is it is still called team roping. I got that part right. Fair enough. Uh, hey, Dad, a question that we'll get to for you when we come back. Sam and Starkville wants to know if this is the biggest Mississippi State offensive line that you've ever seen. We'll get to that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studios, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Tomorrow is primary day in Mississippi. Get live up-to-the-minute results from across the state during Supertalk Mississippi's 2019 primary election special coverage hosted by JT tomorrow night starting at 7 o'clock. You will hear results plus analysis and discussion from guests from across the political spectrum Plus, News Mississippi on what these results mean for the candidates, for their parties, for the state, and for you. It's the 2019 primary election special coverage on your local Supertalk Mississippi stations, streaming online at supertalk.fm. And if you want to watch live, you can do so online at supertalktv.com. Be sure to get out and vote tomorrow. Uh, so you've got uh, that coming up tomorrow. Lots going on in the state of Mississippi. And a couple of questions on the C Spire text line have come in for Hey Dad. Let's see here. The uh, first one was uh, Sam in Starkville, Hey Dad, wants to know if this is the biggest Mississippi State offensive line that you have ever seen. He says four of the five guys are listed at 335 plus. Yeah, they're huge for sure. Uh Going back to the Jackie Sherrill era and the 1994 team, I think that that line averaged about 340 a man, and it was Ooh. one of those. They always talked about it, the, the average line, the, the size sometimes went up when Kendall Watkins, the tight end, came in because he was 305. Um, so it's it maybe not the biggest, but it's it's definitely a huge offensive line, which is interesting for me because I, you know, with Mullins' offense and the way he liked to mash straight ahead, man, that'd have been a great thing. With Moorhead's offense, we'll have to see how that works out uh, for him. Okay. Another question for Hey Dad. I've seen videos on Twitter of Tommy Stevens throwing the ball. In a few of those videos, you also see Keaton Thompson throwing. So it's a two quarterbacks throwing at one time deal. And more than one, I've seen Stevens drop dimes while Thompson under or over throws receivers. What did you actually see in practice last week? Was this consistent or were these specific videos designed to make Tommy Stevens look better? No, they were just the videos of, of what they were. And if you're following uh, Sports Talk Mississippi on Twitter, you can see those videos from every day I go to practice. Um, I, 
you got to think about this in terms of how much time did I spend watching practice last week? Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes of it. They practiced on Friday. They practiced on Saturday. I've seen twenty minutes of it. Uh, in the twenty minutes that I got to watch, in that incredibly small sample size, I thought Tommy Stevens was a little more accurate than Keith Don Thompson. Okay. Simple as that. But it's not framed that way. It's just it is that way. Donald in Oxford says the mid-90s Mississippi State offensive lines were huge. Yeah, monsters. Hey, I don't know if you guys saw this note or not. This may be of particular interest to Ole Miss fans. Noah Gatlin, who is an offensive lineman at Arkansas, is out for the year with a torn ACL. You, You hate, I mean, okay, set aside rivalries, whether or not you want to win or lose. It's just devastating when you see a guy at the beginning of fall camp, go down for the year um, like Noah Gatlin at Arkansas with the torn ACL. Why is that important? Well, he is a player that was kind of projected to be a swing offensive lineman. If you look at uh, one projected depth chart, he is projected as a, uh, a right tackle, a backup right tackle. Uh, redshirt freshman, young guy, 6'7", almost 300 pounds, but was expected to be a, a, a player that could play kind of on both sides of the line, uh, right tackle, left tackle. And so that's a, a tough loss for Arkansas early in camp, especially for a program that's in a, a rebuilding mode where they weren't good a year ago. The roster doesn't look exactly like Chad Morris wants it to look yet. And when you talk about teams that are trying to rebuild a roster, usually you're talking about an offensive line that doesn't have a ton of depth to it. And to uh, to lose one of the guys that can play multiple positions on the offensive line, uh, that's tough. I, I say of particular interest to Ole Miss fans because Ole Miss will meet Arkansas in Week Two in Oxford in a game that you know we talked about at SEC Media Days with Trey Shap. We've talked about it kind of throughout the course of the summer. It is a massive game for both Ole Miss and for Arkansas. Arkansas is going to come into that game 1-0. They've got Portland State to open the season at home in Fayetteville and then hit the road uh, to face Ole Miss in Week 2. Ole Miss has a much more difficult opening week challenge going to Memphis and playing at the Liberty Bowl on August 31st. That will be their first home game. Here's the thing that I see in that game in particular. You uh, Again, Arkansas is going to be 1-0. They will have played one game in Fayetteville against a nobody, and Ole Miss is the closest SEC team to Arkansas, especially to a big part of the state of Arkansas. You're talking about three hours from Little Rock and a lot closer than that from a bunch of the Arkansas Delta. And so for a bunch of Razorback fans, early in the season, that's an easy game for them to get to. So I would expect that Arkansas will bring a big crowd, and if Ole Miss beats Memphis in Week 1, you got a Saturday night kickoff in Week 2 opening SEC game. That's got a chance to be a really, really good atmosphere. Like, if not sold out, really close to it. Oh, they'll sell that out. I would think if they beat Memphis. Yeah, they'll sell that out. If both teams are 1-0 going into that game, that'll be a hard sellout. And we'll be a lot, that'll be a fun atmosphere right out of the gate. So um, we'll see. And uh, we'll see if that affects uh, affects Arkansas at all. Uh, C Spire text line open, 601-879-4395. We're counting you down to the start of the college football season. 100 teams in 100 days. 
This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. A lot of hype, a lot of buildup for year two under, I'm sorry, year three under Tom Herman. Today, team number 26, the Texas Longhorns. Great fight song. One of the better ones out there. Just really, really good. Texas went 10-4 and four in year two under Tom Herman, including a win against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, 28-21. Texas lost to Maryland to open the year a season ago, ripped off five in a row. They beat Tulsa, Southern Cal, TCU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry, and then beat Baylor. So it was actually six in a row to get to 6-1. and one. Lost back-to-back games, a three-point loss on the road against Oklahoma State, and a one-point loss at home to West Virginia. They beat Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Kansas. So Texas's three losses in the regular season were by a combined five, six, seven, eight, nine points. Do you realize that? A, a five-point loss at Maryland to open the year, lost to Maryland two years in a row, lost by a field goal on the road against Oklahoma State, and by a single point to West Virginia. Then in the Big 12 title game, got popped in the mouth pretty good by Oklahoma, 39-27. Some folks have Sam Ellinger as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Threw for almost 3,300 yards last year, 25 touchdowns, 5 picks. He is back. The second and, well, Ellinger was the third leading rusher on the team, so they lose Trey Watson, but Keontae Ingram is back. Lil' Jordan Humphrey was the best receiver on that team, had almost 1,200 yards receiving a year ago. He's gone, but the next two best receivers are back from a year ago. And with Texas, the game that everybody's pointing to is Week 2. LSU in Austin. Darrell K. Royal Stadium, big stadium, seats 100,000 and change. How many LSU fans do you think are at DKR in Week 2? 15 to 20, right? Somewhere in that neighborhood. I was going to go a little higher than that. I would say more like 20 to 25. It'll look like when last year when Georgia was at Tiger Stadium and, the, and that was all red in the end zone there, it'll look like that. There'll be a ton of people there. When Georgia was where? At LSU oh, last year. Oh, at LSU. At LSU last year. That was still yeah. the most mind-blowing. I know they don't play each other very often because the way the schedule sets up in the SEC, the West and the East, unless it's a permanent opponent, you never get to see them. But how LSU fans allowed Georgia to put, what, was it 35,000 people? More than that even in their stadium. I still don't understand how that happened. And, and that wasn't as impressive as when Georgia went to Notre Dame, what was it, yeah. two years ago? Oh, they full-on yeah. took that place over. Yeah. Well, that's pretty remarkable. I wonder how Notre Dame will travel to Athens this year. Probably pretty. It'll be well, good. Yeah, it won't I be like think it would be really good, but yeah. but I don't think it's going to be like Notre Dame takes over the Braves Stadium on Friday afternoon and then has half of Sanford Field, Sanford Stadium on uh, on Saturday. 
hot take for you. That'll be billed as one of the marquee games in 2019 in college football. Mm-hmm. Georgia wins by three scores, maybe Ooh. even more than that. I like Sam Ellinger. Texas is quarterback, 16 touchdowns, 482 yards rushing, 25 passing touchdowns, 3,300 yards through the air. He's good. You want to talk about a guy that's got that kind of it factor, the confidence, the cockiness, the swagger? You remember he stood on the podium at the Sugar Bowl last year and gave the uh, we're back quote? There's some uh, teams that may go after Sam Ellinger this year as well. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming online at supertalk.fm with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along. When does Monday Night Football start, Borky? Do we get preseason Monday Night Football? I'm sure we do, but... um... We start the regular season on a Thursday, and then the Saints and uh, Texans play in New Orleans to start Monday Night Football, real Monday Night Football. Um, I guess it's the 6th, I believe. Okay. This Thursday night, Colts at Bills, Jets at Giants, which is kind of one and the same. Redskins in Cleveland. Patriots, Lions, Falcons, Dolphins, Titans, Eagles, Jaguars, Ravens, Panthers, Bears, Texans, Packers, bunch of games. It's the Chargers, ninth, Cardinals, by the way. And the Broncos, Seahawks. Monday Night Football is on the ninth, not the sixth. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I feel like week two or three of the preseason, we get a Monday Night game. Maybe. There you go. Monday, August nineteenth. Forty Niners at Broncos. Get to see some more of Drew Locke. Yeah. Didn't he have, like, four plays? Yeah, they didn't play him much. I was kind of surprised. Maybe they just don't think that, uh, you know, he's ready to to run the full system. But he looked okay, and they had John Elway up in the booth, which that part of the Hall of Fame game was far more interesting than the actual play on the field. They had Elway up there and, and all the Hall of Famers. It was pretty cool uh, just hearing from those guys with the game in the background. But uh, they kept pointing to... Apparently, Drew Locke, his his mechanics and everything are exceptional when there's no pressure. But any time when he's under duress, they would point to his mechanics, especially with his feet. And Elway said that's something that we've got to get rid of because he will not be successful in the NFL if that habit maintains. So I thought that was fascinating hearing the guy running the show tell you exactly what's wrong with his quarterback that he just drafted in the second round. It was pretty uh, – you don't get to hear that kind of stuff very often. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good stuff. So I had a conversation with somebody earlier today, Chad Kelly, uh, trying to stick on last best chance in Indianapolis. I just wonder if the fact that um, Andrew Luck is banged up right now, they don't expect it to be a, a long injury, but the fact that he's not practicing right now has opened anything up in terms of reps and opportunities for Chad Kelly in trying to make the uh, you know make the practice squad maybe make the team who who knows where it ends up. He's got to beat out Jacoby Brissett, and uh, Brissett's not a guy that they have to worry about getting in trouble. So he's got to overcome that as well. But uh, at, yeah, as you mentioned, with his injury, he's not going to play in the preseason anyway. Will Andrew Luck? Uh, but here we go, uh, a full 365 days later. If Chad Kelly 
performs well in the preseason, uh, there he'll be with an opportunity. And now suddenly injury-prone Andrew Luck, who hopes to get back for week one, and because there's only two of them, really, he'll get all the reps in the world in the preseason to show that he's worth being on the roster. He just keeps getting opportunities that fall in his lap. At some point, it's either got a stick or he's gone. Yeah. It's time for today's Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day. The Pick of the Day presented by the Sportsbook at Pearl River Resort's Golden Moon Casino. We'll stick with Major League Baseball, and I feel like with these baseball picks, to make them fun, I need to be picking underdogs. I mean, like if I was just trying to give you a winner, I think I'd stick with the Yankees, who are a huge favorite on the money line tonight on the road against the Orioles. Um but let's go with a team that is a slight underdog tonight. We'll take the Atlanta Braves plus 110 on the money line at the Twins. You got Mike Soroka pitching tonight for Atlanta. He's 10 and 2 on the year, 237 ERA, and uh Jake Odorizzi is pitching for Minnesota. Pretty good numbers himself at 12 and 5 and 373. But the Braves 66 and 47 12 games above 500 on the road this year in Minnesota against the Twins. We'll take the Braves as a uh, slight underdog, plus 110 on the money line. Can you get behind that, Rippy? Uh, yeah, probably a good pick. Okay. I mean, you, you would have, wouldn't you have derided me if I had taken the Yankees minus 230? Um, I mean, they'll probably win the game, but not great value there. Not, not a lot of value. Bet two hundred and thirty dollars to win a hundred bucks. Bet twenty three dollars to win ten. I think that's how the math works on that. I think it is too. So there you go. There's your uh, Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Uh, college football fix is just around the corner. And what is it? Just me? I, maybe it's because I was out for a week, and it feels like it's fresh and exciting. Maybe it's because we're inside a month, but all of a sudden the college football talk feels real. It's not. It, it's, we're not like talking around it. We're actually talking about it now. Does that make sense? Perfect all, sense. I'm there. And you can't point a finger like you can't put your finger on it. Can't quantify it, but you just know it when it's here. So the college football fix coming up. We will look at Athlon Sports list of uh, anonymous coaches and what they had to say about Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Can you get behind the stuff that they had to say, or do you think it's complete and utter hogwash? That's next in the Renaissance Bank studio with you, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. I said it just after five o'clock. That means it is time for the college football fix. That music sounds so good. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Stop in today for the Hurry Up and Save sales event. A couple weeks ago, I drove through the lot at uh, my local Mississippi Ford dealer, and man, the trucks look good. They get the uh, the F-150, which is the best-selling truck in America for over 42 years. But have you seen the new Ford Ranger? You know, Ford didn't make the Ford Ranger for the last several years, but they brought it back. It's got a sleek design. You can get it in the four-wheel drive. You can get it as basic or as loaded as you want. Just a good truck. That was my first ever new vehicle. It was, uh, I think it was a lease even, but it was a Ford Ranger, had an extended cab, four-wheel drive. Oh, I was so proud of that truck. 
you can uh, test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. All right, Athlon Sports, this is where they do their anonymous coaches talking about conference foes. Hmm. Hey, Dad, tell me what you think about these quotes on Mississippi State. I'll give them to you one at a time. Number one, these are anonymous quotes from other coaches about conference opponents. Joe Moorhead didn't forget how to coach offense, but they never figured out how to use Nick Fitzgerald to do what they wanted. I don't see how any sane, rational person could disagree with that statement. A lot of the pressure to win last year was because of the defense. They were so, so talented, and now it's gone. They're not empty, but that was a really special, talented group that could hurt you in every phase. You had NFL talent all over that defensive line. They had to build the front back up, but they may have the best linebackers in the SEC right now, and they're all back. Errol Thompson, Leo Lewis, Willie Gay Jr., all three of those guys could start for any program in our league. That's high praise for Leo Lewis. I, I wouldn't I, Thompson and Gay. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought Lewis would have gotten that same kind of praise. And he's right. I mean, that was we're going to do the stat again, Richard. They gave up twelve touchdowns in the whole season, but they lost five games. Yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah. It, it it feels like. Uh, Here was another one. I'd be on the lookout for Bob Shoup to change up some things with their scheme. You can't call a defense the same way without that pressure up front. They're going more four two five, more even front than odd. You buy into that? Uh, well, I mean, they ran a, a lot of uh, a four two five last season. You know, they were, they ran that star uh, position, uh, and I think they'll they'll probably do a little bit of the same this year as well. I mean, that's yeah, I, I would buy into that. I don't buy into the idea that they didn't do it last year, but it'll be that way this year for sure. You think you'll see more of that than the three down lineman up front? I think so, yeah. Um, Here's another anonymous quote. The offensive line always does a great job with the run. They always have great-looking personnel, big, wide guys. We talked about that earlier today. Uh, A bunch of, what, I think four of the five at 335 or better Mm -hmm. on the offensive front. They're recruiting well, better than a lot of coaches expected, a non-Southern guy going into Mississippi to do so early. Uh, I mean, state's recruiting class is really interesting. Uh, it's, it's almost full. They got 23 commitments right now, uh, with nine JUCO guys. Um, so it's it's an interesting class. Um, you know, in the state of Mississippi that this year, that feels Jackie Sherrill esque to me. Boy, I know it's out of necessity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really does, and that's that's why today's uh, poll question for, for me on Twitter was, "Are you nervous about this?" And you know, it's about it's it's a pretty good percentage of people that are nervous because yes, you do feel. That now, if it's just a one-year thing, fine. Jackie's problem was he did it three, four years in a row, and that's when you start running out of upperclassmen and you start run, start running out of depth. Uh, but this year, it, there's just some stop gaps, and you, you've got to recruit those guys. This last one, I, I disagree with a little bit. Um, they need to come out and show success throwing the ball. They need to show consistency and build in year two to survive in the West. They've got a high ceiling and a low floor this year. The part that I disagree with is the high ceiling, low floor. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much gap between the ceiling and the floor for this Mississippi State team, unless things just go crazy wrong mm-hmm. and, cr- and and they bottom out. Because I don't see. I don't see seven losses on the schedule for Mississippi State or eight losses, and to and me that would be kind of a bottom out. Yeah. And it's sort of the same thing the other way. You know, you don't see a super high ceiling unless Tommy Stevens is really, really good, like better than we're, we could possibly imagine. Um, 
and then you start talking about could they win, you know, could State win nine games. Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with you. For me, you know, if you're saying like seven wins, I think State's going to be within a win or two either way. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. So they've got like eight-foot ceilings in the house. This is not a, a year where it's like an elaborate 10- or 12-foot ceiling house. Correct. Uh, on Ole Miss, Rippy, tell me what you think about these. The Rebels are in a better place than the last two years, but now is when the hurting starts on those NCAA penalties. Recruiting always pays off most two years down the road, and now they're replacing those superstar kids like A.J. Brown with the two- and three-star kids they had to take during the freeze scandal. When you're talking about wide receivers, that doesn't make sense, does it? Because they don't have two- and three-star wide receivers. Right, so I guess the second part is less accurate than the first. First part, they're definitely in a better place than they were two years ago. Will they definitely still feel the sting of the NCAA stuff? In some ways, sure, as far as it being two- and three-star skill guys. That's not really true, but like... You know, I, I guess his general sentiment is true because 2019 was always the year seen as it bottoming out, and I don't know if that bottoming out's the right word. If it could, I mean, if they go three and nine, it seems like bottoming out. If not, then no. So, like, I don't know. Mostly true. I think that's probably a very good outside perception of what people see from ten thousand feet. Yeah. So, 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 question: Is six and six a successful season this year for Ole Miss? Yeah, it's a wildly successful season. These are anonymous coach quotes about conference opponents from Athlon Sports. They do this every year. How come nobody accuses people of making up these? It's a big thing with anonymous quotes. Oh. But like, We hear they're really excited about Matt Corral. They like his arm, and he's really competitive. He should fit well with what Rich Rodriguez wants to do if they can run the ball. It's a big if. I think that's very spot on. Um, obviously, they lose Brown and DK Metcalf, but that's the one position where they've recruited depth. Would agree with that. Kind of leads go- to leads you to believe that these aren't made up because statement number one and statement number three are completely contradictory. So, no, I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't saying they're no, made I know, up. I know. I, yeah, it's just funny because so a lot of times with anonymous sources that really upsets people, but with stuff like this where it's just kind of random chunks of block quotes on 14 different teams, no one seems to have a problem with it. It's interesting. Anyway, here's another one. They're going to struggle up front, and they're probably going to struggle running the ball. They don't have the personnel to do what Rich Rod wants. Will Jerion Ely play if he chooses football over baseball? That could change a lot of things because he'd be their best running back the first day of camp, sustaining drives is going to be interesting. I don't know when this quote was taken. The Ely, yes, the, the Ely part I don't necessarily agree with, because I think he'll be a productive player regardless of whether he plays baseball in the spring or not. Um, but the first part, yeah, I mean, definitely that's kind of the big if. Is the, is the offensive line hold up, and are they able to run it? If so, then they'll probably have a decent year, and if not, they're going to really struggle. I'm not so sure as far as, like, he does, Richard does doesn't have the personnel to do what he wants to do it might not be a perfect fit but i think there's enough there at least from a skill position standpoint now it's a different story no one's blocking for him there are three other quotes from uh, from these anonymous coaches about Ole miss we'll get to those when we come back and maybe look at uh, some of the other teams as well see if anything jumps out to you sports talk mississippi with you in the renaissance bank studio that's your college football fix driven by ford and your local mississippi ford dealers 
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll finish out the old Miss quotes and then look at some of the other anonymous coach quotes about teams in the SEC. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey on this Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't forget election coverage tomorrow. Tomorrow is primary day in Mississippi, and we've got special election coverage coming for you tomorrow night. Starts at 7 o'clock. Show will be hosted by JT of the JT Show. And uh, have a lot of interviews, guests, analysis, and uh, local election returns. You can listen to your local Super Talk station online at supertalk.fm. Or if you want to watch JT on your television, because let's be honest, who doesn't want to watch JT on television? You can go to supertalktv.com. All right. Mike McIntyre is a great coordinator, but he's stepping into a rough deal there. They're going to a 3-4 like Georgia and Tennessee, but how well does that personnel fit? Isn't there an argument to be made that the personnel actually fits a 3-4 better than what they were doing a year ago? Depends on who you're talking about specifically. There's some guys probably not and some guys sure. I think they got a decent amount of depth on the defensive line. Linebacker remains to be seen. In secondary, they're okay at the top, but after that, a little shaky. For whatever it's worth... Go ahead. Uh, for whatever it's worth, McIntyre told us on Thursday that he, like a 3-4 is not something he would have forced on his team, that if he didn't have the personnel, they would have done a four down front, maybe done a like a 4-2-5 type of defense. So for whatever that's worth to you, he feels, feels comfortable running it because he was prepared to not do so if he needed to. Hmm. Another quote, Benito Jones is probably their best player on that side of the ball. Most proven, probably. I'd like to see Sam Williams in action. Well, I, I feel like nobody's talking about Mohamed Sanoga. Turned into a really good player last year. He had, what, 112 tackles last season? Yeah, next closest is 78. It's pretty significant. He is certainly a linebacker in the SEC that is flying under the radar going into the year. Good player, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell because Jones hasn't been healthy for a lot of his career, too. He's had a couple shoulder issues. How about this one? It will be interesting to watch Matt Luke as a head coach. He's hired two former head coaches to radically change their schemes on both sides of the ball. He's putting a lot on those two, and that could come back to bite him. I mean, isn't that the risk that you take in making the hires that you make? I mean, as opposed to what? Sticking around with what you had? Uh, I don't understand that quote. Well, I think it's more so just hiring someone that... Someone less... I say less accomplished, and it sounds counterintuitive, but I'm talking about, like... Like, not the I mean, name. Yeah, not the two... Like, I mean, those are two guys that have won Coach of the Year in two different conferences. Like, hire, you know, I guess a more traditional offensive coordinator. I wouldn't call these necessarily traditional, but I don't get the... Uh, I don't necessarily see the backfire part on them, because if it doesn't work, they're probably all going down. I agree with that. I mean, I'm sure there's obviously a scenario where if you know if it went bad or whatever, and, and a change was made, that one of them would obviously become the interim. But did you really see like a long term thing with either one of those? Or that I don't know. Could be completely wrong. I don't necessarily get the last part of it. Here are um, here are a few anonymous quotes from coaches about teams in the SEC from some of the other schools, not named Mississippi State or Ole Miss, about South Carolina. This is the season where we're going to figure out how good Will Muschamp can make this program. A lot of us thought it would be last year, but I don't know if defensively they were there where they needed to be. 
Does that do anything for you? I don't know if their schedule allows for us to really know how good they are or how good they're not going to be. It's just brutal. It's the hardest in the country. ESPN released an FPI rating as well. So not just visually, but the numbers tell you it's the hardest schedule in the country. Uh, About Tennessee. Butch Jones did a better job recruiting than what they're telling the media. The players he brought in are still playing the bulk of the time, and not a lot of the Pruitt recruits have broken past them on the depth chart, though that could change this year. He had one year. What what are you talking about? They haven't broken through on the depth chart. He's had one class. Hey, what do you think about this? Jarrett Garantano is a longtime starter who has been through it with that program. Combine him with Jim Chaney, a veteran play caller who knows the program and the roster, and in the second year of Jeremy Pruitt's culture, they should be better. We previewed Tennessee on the pod last week, and I think Garantano is going to be better. We were talking about the butterfly effect. If, if Florida doesn't come in and Mullen goes to Tennessee, does Garantano have the season that Felipe Franks had a season ago? I think Garantano is very talented. We'll see if they're any better this year. There is no reason that offense was so bad last year. I know the line wasn't good, but they have players. Yeah. They certainly have got players on the outside with Callaway and Palmer and Jawan Jennings. I mean, they, they have got some dudes at wide receiver um, this year. Um, what's Derek Dooley going to do with Kelly Bryant? He can be a special talent, but you need to build around him. He's not lock. If Dooley's smart... They're going to bring in a lot of the stuff Bryant did at Clemson rather than fit him into Locke's shoes. Missouri's an interesting team, I think, to watch. The schedule is extremely favorable, but as we sit here right now, they're not eligible for the postseason, which means they weren't eligible for the preseason coaches poll, so not a single vote for Missouri. We've talked a lot about them, though, and their schedule. I mean, I know I said it just a second ago, but... It's what you keep going back to. It's an incredibly favorable schedule for Missouri to win eight, nine games this year. Yeah, and uh, in a even if the the bowl ban is is upheld, if you can rattle off a bunch of wins early, the idea that they may quit because there's nothing to play for wouldn't happen. If they keep winning games, you can keep a team motivated if they keep winning ball games. So, I mean, they're the story that nobody's talking about because. I think especially with Kelly Bryant, we're going to find out uh, how much of a machine Clemson is, I think, because Kelly Bryant was really good at Clemson, took them to a playoff. He lost his job to a true freshman, but a generational true freshman and a soon-to-be number one overall draft pick. If he is that success or not that successful at Missouri, just tells you what kind of football factory Clemson has become. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. About Georgia, I think it's fair to say Kirby got Georgia to that Alabama level faster than Nick Saban got Alabama there. They're ready to roll. Didn't Alabama win a national championship in year two under Nick Saban? They, they, no, not year two. It was year, year three. three. Yeah. But, I mean, they, they were number two in the nation when they played in the SEC championship game. I don't know how accurate that statement is. Yeah. Uh, that, well, hold on a second now. Georgia played for a national championship in year two. And in year three, they played for an SEC title. And if they win it, they're going to be in the playoff again. <laughs> Alabama went 12-2 and two and 8-0 and oh in the SEC in year two. Under yeah, six. they just ran into the, the Tebow. Uh, Wait, so it was song. year two? No, they didn't go to the national championship that year. The Exactly what Haydad just said. They ran into Tebow in the SEC title game, lost that game. And then I believe they lost the Sugar Bowl to Utah. Yeah. 
about Kentucky. They lose a ton on defense. You don't replace a Josh Allen at Alabama, and you sure as hell don't at Kentucky. He ha- he was the best edge rusher in the game. And I thought this was interesting about Kentucky. Tons of questions. Maybe the team that will look the most different on both sides of the ball this season. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I, I'm not big on Kentucky at all. You lose Josh Allen, like you said, that's that's a tough player to replace for anybody. And then you lose Benny Snell, who was, you know, the, the heart and soul of that offense last year. I, I just don't have trouble seeing them being uh, successful without those guys. About Auburn, SEC coaches talk anonymously. There's more pressure at Auburn than maybe anywhere else in the SEC because Alabama is your in-state rivalry, but this isn't really the season to make a call on Malzahn unless the wheels completely fall off. It's sort of the opposite of what Borky was just saying about being year one for Pruitt. This is year what for Malzahn and we can't make a call on him? If he loses four or five games again? That's just what he is at that point. Let's see. Year seven yeah. at Auburn for Gus. Year seven, and in, year, in years two With through six, he's With 14 returning lost at least starters. Four. Seven yeah, on both sides yeah. of the ball. He is what he is. He's a four loss coach. But it, the, the problem is, is most four loss coaches, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing, don't have two SEC title game appearances and national title. It's like two very strange anomalies in an otherwise four loss type of resume. Yeah, he's got another four loss year where they went to the Sugar Bowl. So, I mean, it's just the nature of that game. But he's not competing, for the most part, for national titles there. Which is what Auburn fans want, even though I don't think they can have it. Gus Malzahn uh, Malzahn is uh, back calling the plays again. Usually that works out pretty well for his teams, and if they get back to their old ways this year, I can bet you he won't give up play calling for the rest of his career. The bowl game versus Purdue was old school Gus. I do kind of agree with that. And then finally, a couple of things about Arkansas. There's a lot of work to do, and it's going to take a while. The weakest point on offense is the line. They've got returning production, but there's a big shift in what they're being asked to do. And we mentioned a second ago that Arkansas already is down an offensive lineman with Noah Gatlin tearing his ACL in camp in Fayetteville. So some interesting stuff there on the uh, anonymous coach article from Athlon Sports. You can read that online. If- A Super Talk Mississippi media production.